Hello everyone, I'm Gitanjali and this is my food podcast, Dakar. Well, this weekend I was in Alibag and I had an amazing time. I went to this place called Bohemian Blue Cafe. You know, I was so amazed to see this place. I mean, it gave a very Goan feel. You know, vintage bungalow converted into a restaurant, an old women enterprise. I was amazed to see the fresh produce. And of course, the overall English feel, not just of the place, but also the menu. But I think with these places, one need to go prepared that the staff will take their own peaceful time considering everything is made from the scratch. So catch your patience there, guys. It's not a catching up over drink season, but mummy ne meri chai coffee par bulaya hai types. So raise your kappa while my podcast distracts you from that barish ka pani because a lot can happen over a cup of coffee. Well, coffee is my drink, but you know, in spite of being a coffee addict or a self-confessed coffee lover, what I call myself, I always have a hesitation to order something new. Maybe because um, I'm used to having it in a particular way or I'm not exposed to the N number of coffee types and what they taste like. So today on my podcast, I have with me Sid Marchant who is a Q Arabica grader. Hmm, Sid, we are absolutely delighted to have you here on my food podcast. And I'm so curious to know about your journey that made you a coffee expert. First of all, thanks Gitanjali for having me on your show. Really pleased to be here. A couple of years ago, a couple of friends and me, we were in Paris and we were looking at different concepts and we came across some cafes. Read a couple of books. Uh, one book was uh, Coffee Atlas of the World, uh, written by James Freeman. He's a barista world champion. Another book was called The Blue Bottle Book by James Freeman. Uh, Blue Bottle is a huge roastery, specialty coffee roastery in the US. Just reading these books really inspired me in terms of there was so much more to coffee than what I already knew as a coffee consumer. That really hit a chord within me. Another thing that really uh, inspired me to learn more was the fact that India was growing its own coffee. And uh, contrary to popular belief, it's uh, India grows Arabica and Robusta. A lot of people around the world think India only grows Robusta coffee. So that was a real eye-opener, knowing that most of freshly great coffee is actually exported to most of the world. So we actually don't get to consume coffee that comes out from our backyard. That really kind of motivated me to go deeper into the world of coffee. Can you please enlighten us what exactly is a Q-grader? So a Q-grader is uh, nothing but a guy who is licensed by the CQI, Coffee Quality Institute. The CQI is a non-profit organization that uh, was basically founded and started in the US to improve the quality of coffee. They discovered that if they could help people improve the quality of coffee, Coffee. coffee in itself would be priced higher and that's how the farmers would benefit from those higher prices. I'm an Arabica Q-grader. There are also Robusta Q-graders. So coffee can be graded on a scale of 0 to 100. Generally 80 and above is con- considered specialty. Below it is just commercial coffee. So an 80 plus 82, 83 coffee would fetch you a higher price than let's say a 78 or a 77 which is not even considered specialty. Coffee is graded on various criteria being uh, flavors, aromas, fragrances aftertaste, sweetness, bitterness, so on and so forth, the amount of defects that are there in coffee. Coffee has uh, fragrances and aromas, especially Arabica, that range from blueberry to rubber to rose to tea rose to apple to cherry to tobacco. And so it's really complex. Q Grader's primary job is not only to grade the coffee as per his own perception, but to grade it in calibration with other Q Graders across the world. So if, for example, a Q Grader in India grades coffee as 82 
somebody in the US shouldn't be grading that same coffee at 79. There's a huge difference between that. For this reason, the license only lasts around three years. Every three years, you got to renew it. You got to go to the US uh, and you you pass another exam, get Q graded again. One of the biggest jobs of the Q grade, ethically speaking, is not only to grade the coffee, but also tell the guy who gets the coffee to you if the coffee doesn't grade well, like it's, if it's not 80 plus or uh, whatever, you get to tell the guy where the defect is, how he can improve on a certain aspect of, let's say, either cultivation or processing so that a certain defect within the coffee is removed and his coffee can be graded higher, which would in turn fetch him a higher price. Wow, Sid, that sounds really exciting and unusual too. But tell me something, how difficult are the exams? Is it really difficult to crack them? A Q-grading exam is really, really difficult to pass. I wouldn't advise any newbie to go into a Q-grading exam. First of all, it involves a lot of education that you need to go through. Your senses have to be tuned into understanding the, the variances of taste and smell in coffee. It was really difficult for me as well, even being in the industry for two years or tasting coffees every day. You have around 20 tests that you need to pass in a period of five days, out of which 15 tests have a couple of retakes. But there are five tests that you get no retakes and you got to do it all over again in another Q grading uh, test held somewhere else because you do that with the group. In a way, it's really stressful. But at the same time, when you pass a Q grading test, uh, I don't think... Uh, there are quite a few educational accomplishments that feel better than that, especially for a guy who loves food and coffee and beverages and really tests your senses to the limit. You know, Sid, in India, we have always revolved around some basic techniques of coffee making, unless some international franchises happened and educated us beyond that. But still, most of our basic criteria are strong, extra strong, hot, cold, with or without fat, most likely, you know. But what are the factors for like a kick-ass addictive coffee. Yeah, I agree. In India, coffee drinking, the culture, although it's been very old, in South India, they've been consuming coffee ever since coffee has been grown in India. But in terms of the way that we consume our coffee, I wouldn't say it's the wrong way or the right way. It's just a very different way as to what the world consumes it. For me, coffee needs to be consumed like any natural product to basically get the gist of that product. Good coffee really tastes good. It's not supposed to be bitter. Depends on your roasting and your brewing methods, obviously. And even the coffee itself, the green bean that comes out from the farm basically all in the techniques of growing the coffee roasting it brewing it and then consuming it beautiful thing about coffee that you can consume it in so many different ways it's based on your tastes and preferences but there are four or five primary rules while brewing coffee there's basically the grind size of the coffee there is a time the time that is, the coffee is in contact with the water the temperature of the water that you're brewing coffee at and uh, something called turbulence Turbulence is basically the act of mixing coffee with the water. The last part I would say is obviously the kind of filter that you're using to brew the coffee. Coming back to the first part, the grind size. In India, people are usually used to having ground coffee directly in a bag. Coffee is actually a green bean. It's a seed that comes out of a cherry, out of a tree. Not a lot of people know that. Even I didn't when I started off my journey. There are a lot of organic material in this green bean that are trapped to feed the embryo of the bean itself. When you roast these beans, there are so many chemical reactions that take place there's a Maillard reaction there's caramelization and all these aromas and fragrances get trapped within the bean uh, the body of the coffee when you grind this coffee all those aromas or fragrances are released and that's why whenever you grind coffee fresh they always say that the aromas and the fragrances are at the maximum at that point of time but that is also particularly a reason that when you have ground coffee kept in a bag for too long you've lost most of the aromas and the fragrances depending on grind size so for example for a french press you would use a thicker grind size or a coarser grind size of coffee 
And for an espresso, let's even say a brew pot, you would use a finer grind size. The reason for that is when you pour water over pebbles, they'll flow quicker. When you pour water over sand, the sand will absorb more of the water and there will be more sand in the water or water in the sand. So a finer grind size would give you, let's say, a stronger coffee if that's the terminology we can use. In terms of time, it's as simple as the more time you keep the coffee in water, the more it's going to extract. If you keep a coffee for three minutes in the water and five minutes, there's going to be a taste difference. In terms of uh, temperature, the higher the temperature, the more the extraction. The ideal temperature to extract coffee is around 91 to 96 degrees. That's generally what we recommend. In terms of turbulence, that's where the espresso brewing comes in. So espresso is that turbulence when that water is gushing down the coffee in like 20 or 25 seconds and you have a cup of a very strong coffee. Although the time is very less, the amount of turbulence that is created through the pressure of water coming, that makes all the difference. Uh, uh, the last one is the filter, obviously. If you use paper filters which is generally the pour over method which is my favorite because uh, it absorbs a lot of the oils of the coffee which basically uh, gives the coffee a very clear flavor because oils kind of hinder your perception of tasting coffee a lot of people in india say strong but i think what they mean is a heavier body where you get a bigger mouth feel they prefer the french press or the mocha pot and they've become used to it because that's the only way that they know how to brew interestingly as soon as i learned how to do a pour over or even an aeropress for that matter taste profile of the coffee changed so much for me that i actually began tasting the coffee more and more so for me i prefer those methods i see a lot of coffee fusions happening in the city lately which ones and where do you think are worth trying and you can help us bookmark this monsoon so yeah it's really interesting this time and period for coffee in uh, at least the metro cities in india i have done a lot of experiments with coffee uh, in the past couple of years i have mixed coffee with almost everything from milkmaid to alcohol to whatnot so uh, it's quite interesting because it's it's such a strong flavor in a sense my places to go would be to definitely check out if you're looking at a purist kind of coffee point of view where you want to drink your pour overs i think you can check out uh, blue tokai they have launched recently in bombay uh, you have Koinonia Coffee Roasters. Their roasts are really good and they do really good beverages of coffee. I think Cafe Zoe was uh, experimenting with tonic water and coffee and alcohol and sorts, things like that, which was quite interesting. Starbucks has a pretty good cold brew, according to me. They use a Kenyan coffee, which a lot of the other Indian roasters don't have access to because they use mainly Indian coffee. These are the places I think you should check out. I think they're definitely worth it. Is coffee too like wine that we, you know, gradually develop a taste for? I think you really nailed it when you said is coffee like wine i think somewhere in the early 1900s or so you had the wine revolution people started understanding that if wine if treated really well it could make a huge difference in the taste and obviously the pricing of the wine i think a similar revolution started in the western countries first in europe and australia and now it's coming down to asia with coffee it's really interesting that coffee has a process that it goes through similar to wine where the terroir of the region affects the quality and even the taste profile like like kenya is always known for its apple kind of acidity that you get from its coffees ethiopia sedamo region is always known for the blueberry uh, flavors that come out of the coffees from there then you have something like indonesia and sumatra which is more known for earthier flavors for more chocolatey kind of drier flavors 
then you have Colombia, which is very nutty, which is very chocolatey, hazelnut. So, but now, increasingly, people are beginning to find the different processing methods with coffee. So, for example, after getting the green seed out of the cherry, it goes through a process of wetting, drying, so on and so forth. So, different processes in coffee can also change the taste profile of the coffee, and a lot of the coffee world is now experimenting with that. When the coffee is off the farm and it comes to the roastery, the roaster makes a huge, huge uh, contribution in terms of understanding the flavor profile of the bean and then roasting it accordingly. For example, if a fruitier coffee roasted too dark, you would miss out on all the fruit in the coffee. But roasted too light, it might be too sour and too acidic for you to appreciate it. So that's the roaster's job where he or she needs to understand the actual flavor characteristics of coffee. This is where a process called cupping comes in and these are where Q graders and even normal cuppers come in where you cup your coffee, you understand the key characteristics of it and then you roast accordingly. And finally, it's the barista's or the brewer's job to make sure they brew and they barista the coffee well that was roasted for that particular purpose. So, for example, if you're roasting for espresso, you're not going to get a lot of joy out of that coffee if you start brewing it in a French press or you start brewing it in an AeroPress. And similarly, if you're roasting for a filter, uh, then you're not going to get enough joy out of that coffee if you use the same bean for espresso. So, there is this thing that I call the ecosystem of coffee, which is the farmer, roaster, barista, brewer, and the consumer. The moment all of these are in sync, that's where I think the circle is complete. And when the consumer starts discerning between these different coffees and experimenting and stuff like that, he starts demanding for quality. And that's where the brewer and the barista goes back to the roaster and starts demanding for quality. And the roaster goes back to the farmer and starts demanding for quality. And the farmer demands for higher prices. So that kind of completes the circle. So I completely believe that we're on the verge of something really special, especially in India. I think the American specialty market has grown from 5 to 20% in the last, I don't know, 5 or 10 years. That's a huge uh, jump in such a developed market. India being a producing nation is uh, really primed for that kind of development in my opinion thank you so much Sid for your time pleasure being on the show if you guys have any more curiosity related to coffee feel free to ping Sid he's available on his Instagram handle Sid.Marchant I hope your monsoon drive made you crave for a coffee break after listening to this episode stay tuned guys on Dakar every weekend for we have a lot more food stories for you right here on Audioboom iTunes and SoundCloud also do not forget to stop by at my insta handle dakar123 bye for now